You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student-athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. They're telling us everything to do to help us. And it was one of those things like, I shouldn't be worrying about all these things. And that's when I met Greg. That's coming up on this episode. Now, I use this podcast to give free advertising to charities. So to hear about a great nonprofit you can support, stay tuned to the end of this episode. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. I'm honored to be joined by another big-time guest on the Beaver Tales podcast today, Jake Thompson, a fourth-round pick in the 2017 MLB Draft, an All-American by six different media outlets, a district player of the year, just a tremendous pitcher for the Oregon State baseball team. It's been three years since he pitched at Oregon State, and we basically cover two topics on this podcast. Number one is his mental transformation. If you remember Jake Thompson early in his career, he was decent, had an ERA about 4.5, but something big changed. Somewhat similar story to Ben Wetzler, but Jake has his own way of how he grew and what he did to grow mentally. One of the main things is, as you heard in the beginning, He met Greg. Well, that's Greg Warburton, who's a mental health counselor. He's come up a couple of times on this podcast. I've interviewed Greg, although you haven't heard that interview yet. Greg has worked with a lot of Oregon State baseball players ever since 2006, and Jake is one of them. So to talk about his mental transformation, how he changed his thought process, Jake will explain that. Plus, his physical well-being that's more in his professional career he's been in the pros for the last three years he had tommy john surgery in may of 2019 since then he had not pitched in a real game when we talked but that changed the very next day right when we talked he was one day away from making his first appearance in a real game since his surgery He's down in Fort Myers, Florida, and pitching in an instructional league during this offseason. So a big day for Jake Thompson, and you'll hear all about his recovery physically and his transformation mentally. So here is former Oregon State pitcher, the All-American and a native of Florence, Oregon. Here's Jake Thompson. Thanks for joining me on the Beaver Tales podcast, Jake, all the way from, from Florida. What's up in uh, your day today over there in Fort Myers? Just got done with practice, so getting ready to throw tomorrow, like I said earlier. So that's kind of exciting. First time throwing hitters. So just kind of getting a nice dinner in, getting ready for bed, and excited to get going tomorrow. It seems like you're on an early schedule, 519 over there at East Coast as, as we're talking. Are you a, you're a morning guy, it seems like? Uh, I mean, I try to be. So it's been kind of weird with Instructional League because we'll have two groups. One will go in the morning, the other in the afternoon, and the next day it switches. So it kind of messes up your sleeping schedule and stuff like that. So I got to make sure I get enough sleep for my first throwing session. So You could nail it down to the exact day. You said May 2nd, 2019 is how long yes. you've been there in Fort Myers. How did you get so specific? Why does that date stand in your mind? Uh, that's the day I had Tommy John surgery yeah. with Dr. Andrews. It's a day I'll never forget. I mean, I could go into just how it happened. It's kind of crazy. So I was thrown in the game. Everything was going good, feeling good. Never had elbow pain before. Never had any issues with that. 
always took good care of my arm, went to throw a fastball and I heard a pop and I spiked the ball and I was like, yeah, that didn't feel right. But it wasn't any like pain or anything. So I was like, okay, maybe it's just something getting loose, you know, like sometimes like things pop and it gets loose and it feels good. And uh, so I went to go throw another pitch and I get in the layback of my throw and I'm like, that hurt really bad. And I spiked another one called out the coaches and I said, yeah, I heard it pop in my elbow and they're like, all right, go. Didn't even question it. Just said, all right, go get it checked out. And then a couple of weeks later, May 2nd had Tom and John surgery. When you look back on it, do you see signs coming in of throwing a lot of innings or didn't warm up right? Or did it just feel random? It definitely felt random. The one thing that changed is I went from a starter the previous year to a bullpen guy. It was the first time I went back-to-back days, and everything felt good is the thing. I was throwing hard. I was had good feel for my pitches and had no signs, no nothing, just decided it was done. And usually some guys will have like a – small little tear in their elbow and kind of work through that. Mine just popped off clean. So it's kind of unlucky, but it's also lucky that, you know, I don't waste time trying to rehab and not get back. And, you know, sometimes a lot of people say it's just better just to have completely tear as bad as that sounds. What was that moment like with Dr. Andrews, the the moments leading up to the surgery You're you're in the room and you're about to go under and then waking up and, and that day of the surgery. So it was actually a really quick turnaround. So they gave me like a week or two to kind of like get the MRIs and stuff like that, get a feel of how it's like healing and everything. And then they sent me over to uh, Pensacola's where Andrews is at. Got me in there that day. I flew there. He looked at the MRI for like two seconds and said, yes, completely torn. You're going to get surgery next morning, bright and early in the operating room says a couple things he's kind of a goofy guy (laughs) said a couple things got a couple laughs and then they put i don't even remember when they put like the anesthesia or whatever like they injected into the liquid or whatever and next thing i know they're rolling me into the operating room told me to switch tables i did that next thing i know i'm waking up with (laughs) a new elbow and a sling so what has been the the hardest part of that recovery and any low points as you're struggling, whether physically or mentally before now? Hopefully you're kind of getting to the apex of now back to pitching tomorrow. But yeah. as far as that recovery ever since then leading up to now, what's that been like? Uh, so the I think it was like the first or second day after surgery, I texted uh, Coach Yeski, asked him like, hey, is there things that I should be focusing on? Like, how should I go about this? And he gave me some advice and he said, ask your former teammate, Drew Rasmussen. And that's the first thing I did was after I got talk, done talking to Yeski, I texted Drew and he gave me some good advice. I mean, he's been through two and I mean, shoot, now he's throwing like a 102 in the big leagues, which is insane. Um, so yeah, Drew told me like crack down on nutrition. Uh, everyone is like, you got the people around you to, give you like the weight training, give you the rehab with the physical therapist and everything like that. So it was just a matter of really cracking down on the small things, not skipping things. Like it's a long, basically it's a long process. You got to live with those 
slow, monotonous days. So you can get to the point where you're able to start throwing against hitters and everything like that. And then once you get to that point where even just getting off the mound, things just seem to kind of fly by and all blend together and go pretty fast. So I, without this COVID shutdown that we had, I was literally about to start throwing the hitters. And then we got shut down for six months. I stayed down in Fort Myers, went to a local park and threw into a net, met some other guys that kind of same situation, but they were like playing college ball and everything. So played catch with them, just kind of worked out and did that. And then finally we're back, started to get things back to normal. So that's where I'm at with all that kind of long process. Yeah. Sucked that with the shutdown and everything, but feel like I'm right where I left off. My hope for you is that you would have a similar story to what I just heard from a fellow Oregon state pitcher who's pitched in the nineties. Uh, I just talked with him the other day for the same podcast. His name is Chris Pine. I don't know if you ever ran across his name or anything, but he pitched you know a couple decades before you, he had two Tommy John surgeries early in his pro oh, career. And he still made it to triple a even after those not only that his fastball velocity rose higher after his second tommy john in part because of the tommy john he could explain how better uh than i could but his fastball velocity got higher than it ever was before the surgeries when it was after which is crazy to me i hope that i hope that happens for you too yeah i mean that's the goal i mean everything's feeling great you really get in tune with your body like you go out and throw I literally started with my elbow up and did little flips and then you slowly progress to like 30 feet, 60 feet and so on. And it's just like, you get so many limited throws that you start to realize like how things feel coming off the fingers and like that. And then like I was telling you like earlier is you get people specifically working with you, like the PT, your weight trainers and everything like that. And you just get stronger. It's just, just something that comes with it. Like, you can't throw, so you got to lift. So you're going to get stronger. You're going to be more in tune with your body. And the velocity is usually just like an outcome from doing all that, slowing things down, really taking a step back and focusing on things instead of just assuming you're going to be going in the game and being ready to go right there without doing all the small things. So now that you've got tomorrow upcoming, which is the first time you'll be throwing to a live hitter right since your Tommy yep. John surgery how excited are you a little bit of nervousness your feelings going into a, a big step um uh, I'm a little nervous but then again it's like I've been wanting to face hitters for so long so I'm super excited my goal is to challenge these guys to basically throw it down the middle and see if they can hit it but I know that there might be little like mental things that you need to kind of get used to of actually having a guy there. Not that like you're afraid of them or anything. It's just like, you're just thinking, Oh, there's a guy right there. Like I have to throw it here, throw it there. So you're, you're kind of all over the place, but that's the biggest thing for me is like, I mean, I want to see how my stuff plays. If I'm trying to be too picky about where the ball goes, that just leads to like not knowing how good my stuff is at that moment. I could throw like hundreds and hundreds of bullpens and think that I'm getting better, but it really comes down to like seeing how your pitches work against hitters. So that's the biggest thing. I feel like after I throw that first pitch, all the nerves and everything will go away 
and I think I'll be able to zone in, basically be back to normal. A quick interruption on this episode to let you know about a special project I think you'll enjoy, the Beaver Tales documentaries, including exclusive audio interviews, narration, and retelling what made the 2018 Beaver baseball postseason so special. Every single game, Oregon State would play in Omaha. Two or three really weird things that maybe I'd never seen before would always happen. When he hit the home run, out of my coaching career, that's without a doubt the most exciting thing I've ever been a part of. This audio documentary series will come out in a few months. To subscribe, there's a link in this episode's description. Check out the website and put your email down there so you can be one of the first people to listen to the Beaver Tales documentaries. All right, back to this episode. I'd love to uh, come back to your time at Oregon State and talk about, first of all, how you even became a beaver coming out of Florence, Oregon. By the end, most of the Pac-12 schools from the Pacific Northwest did find you. So what was your experience being recruited by those schools as you're still pitching right there in Florence? Okay. So as much as I hate to say it, and I never want to say it again, but I grew up close to Eugene. So grew up around a lot of Duck fans, went to a lot more Duck games and stuff like that. So basically, Florence is a small coastal town. Um, we didn't really have many guys that would go play college baseball. Florence, being on the coast, is very windy. And one of the guys from Washington State came down, watched me throw. And I don't think I was throwing that hard. And so he was the first college recruiter to look at watch me throw. Didn't really stay, talk to me after the game, which is understandable. He's lives far away or tells me he lived far away to go back to Washington State and basically said I didn't throw hard enough. It was like a week later, I get a call from one of the coaches at Oregon to come watch me. Watches me, I'm throwing pretty hard that day. Basically says, hey, we're probably going to offer you a scholarship. Uh, we'd like you to come visit us and everything. I was like, oh, I'm like amazed. First college offer. No one ever who I've been around has ever really gone and played college baseball, let alone college in general. A week later, Oregon State offers me. Same situation. Pat Bailey was the one who came and watched me. So first off, I go to Oregon to take my visit. They show me around, which, I mean, you could probably ask anyone if you get shown around at Oregon. It's pretty cool. And obviously grown up pretty close to Eugene first college offer like I was how could I ever say no to this however long later went to go to Oregon State it's hard to explain but I literally sat down on that couch and I think Yeski was there Casey was there and Bailey was there and it literally felt like home like Oregon felt like you know this cool place that you want to visit go hang out but Oregon State it just felt so welcoming. It was like, yeah, this is where I want to be. This feels right. This is what I want to do. And then the awkwardest thing is calling Oregon, tell them I'm going to Oregon State. But I, it was kind of like ripping Band-Aid off, just called, said I'm going to Oregon State. I called them before I even called Oregon State to tell them I'm committed. Uh, so ripped that Band-Aid off, committed to Oregon State, and went from there. What was it like those first couple of years? Maybe a funny, a, a best Pat Casey story and how they were coaching you up, uh, the intensity of the coaching staff and that sort of thing. What was that like for you at Oregon State? When I first got there, my first thing I thought, like, all these guys are going to be, like, throwing hard. They're going to, like, 
not ever miss a spot when they pitch and everything like that. And so, like, I'm going in there thinking, you know, I'm just kind of here to have fun and kind of learn, develop, all that. And as the fall went on, I was like, okay, I can really compete against these guys. I'm throwing over the plate. Like, I don't have the best stuff, but, like, I'm competing, getting outs. You know, maybe, like, I'm starting to feel like, yeah, you know, I do deserve to be here. Um, It was kind of cool. Um, so I wasn't really watching too much college baseball before committing to Oregon state. So I didn't really know like, all right, these guys are really good. These guys aren't good. So on. Um, but I got to watch them go to Omaha the year before, which was pretty cool. I got there and I realized how good Comforta was right off the bat. So that was pretty cool to see. I faced him once and he smacked one to the left field for a base hit. I was kind of disappointed, made a good pitch, but it was just cool. Like looking back, that's a top eight pick to be able to like compete with him during the fall. I mean, it was only one at bat, but just watch him work and everything like that. That was really cool to see. Come to the first series down in Arizona. I found out I was throwing, I was starting in the fourth game. That was kind of cool. I, I, at that point, I kind of realized, like, wow, I can compete with these guys. But then it was kind of like one of those things, like, am I just good enough for the people I'm around? Or am I good enough for, like, all these colleges? Do all these colleges have way better people? And I'm just good on this team. And then, obviously, as we went through a year, like, we had a lot, a lot of good players. So so I got the first start. It actually went really well. I, I was – Lucky enough to be able to watch Wetzler, Fry, and Moore pitch on the weekends and watch how crazy good those guys were. Um, and then I got some time during the week, uh, weekday games, and it was definitely up and down for sure. And I feel like that's where I start off the season really well. And part of the way through, I struggled. I mean, I probably never told anyone this, but there's one game I got pulled out of the first inning, got lit up, and basically went home and cried. Like, I was embarrassed. I thought I was just riding that high for a couple weeks and did really well. And then I started to question myself, like, all right, am I actually good or did I just get lucky? You've already kind of started touching on the mental aspect of, you know, riding the highs yep. sometimes and, and you sometimes were confident, sometimes really started to question yourself. And then when you have a bad moment, a bad game, all of a sudden it can it can get pretty uh, downtrodden oh, yeah. in a hurry. If you look at what you did your first couple of years, but between 2014 through 2016, your ERA is usually around four and a half uh, as but by 2017, your redshirt junior year, your last year at OSU, ERA goes down to 1.96. You went 14 and one, lead the nation in wins. Your batting average against plummets 60 points. Your first team All American, District Player of the Year. So, w- what happened in that mental aspect from where you kind of described yourself at the beginning to, oh my gosh, you seem way different by the end? Yeah. Um, so, the biggest thing is. We have the coaches, basically, I mean, Coach Yeski tells us how to pitch, and then you got the other coaches like telling you, like, field this, do that, leads through all these drills and everything as a team and work on that. We had Coach Anderson in the weight room 
for weights and running and everything. Uh, we had nutritionists. We had basic training table where we can, they made us food and everything. They're telling us everything to do to help us. And it was one of those things like, I shouldn't be worrying about all these things. And that's when I met Greg. So at the beginning, I, I always remember he would show up and our coaches be like, all right, we got Greg here, a uh, sports psychologist. It was kind of nothing excited to be about. They're like, we're not requiring you to meet with them or anything. So we just want you to listen, see if something clicks. And like I saw it as one of those things of, you know, if you go to him, that means you're not good mentally. And I was way wrong. So, I mean, like I was saying, we got all these coaches to help us. And then it's like, okay, so now you're saying, all oh, I'm physically able to do this, do that. I've thrown a great slider before, thrown a hard fastball, lifted heavy weights, ran good times or fast or whatever it may be. So now all I need to do is focus on the mental game and everything else will take care of itself. And so I went down, sat with Greg. The first two to three meetings, if I'm being honest, were just me talking smack about the coaches probably. Just <laughs> saying like, you know, they tell us to do this. They tell us to do that. I start thinking about like, they get me going about this, that. So it was basically like, I'm telling them like all these things, just that, just me telling him that and allowing him to just listen helped out a ton. And then from there, he started teaching me uh, like this tapping system that kind of like allows me to set my focus. And then we started talking about what to think. So my biggest thing is coaches have always told me or people in general, Hey, you got to stop thinking your mind's going all over the place. And for me, it was hard to explain that the problem is not me thinking. The problem is me not thinking like I get this grayness or a fog where I'm just going through the actions, muscle memory, not controlling anything really. And I think that's what Greg helped me is basically told me like, you know, it's okay to think. And he showed me how to guide my thinking. So I started to learn to guide it of like, Hey, I started believing I was the best pitcher in the nation. Started believing I had the best slider, started believing I threw the hardest and whether I did or not, I mean, that's up for debate, but like, I felt like I did. So that was the biggest thing is I learned that, you know, it's not all about not thinking. It's more about guided thinking. What am I thinking? What, how can I guide myself to have confidence, to flush the bad and embrace the good, basically. So I learned a lot, like at the tapping to help with like the breath and stuff like that. And along the way, like I always keep his book with me. No matter where I go, I love reading that thing. Kind of whenever I get off track, I go back and realize, wow, yeah, I'm really not doing that step, whatever it may be. He just gave me his book too. What was kind of the, the first thing about the tapping and the breathing? Like how, how did he teach that to you uh, so that you could kind of internalize that and, and use it to your advantage? So basically it allowed me like a form of reset. So basically clears any form of negative energy, as I would put it. And then you do it again 
to kind of tell yourself what you want. So like, if I want more confidence, if I want to believe I have the best slider, throw the hardest, whatever it may be, um, from week to week, it changed. So uh, during that last season at Oregon State, I went and saw Greg every week, no matter what. I would tell him, hey, I'm feeling this. I'm a little nervous for this, a little upset about this last week. And then we do the tapping, kind of go through, like, what's upsetting me. And then for some reason, clearly it works because, like, it immediately went away. And all of a sudden, I was, like, focusing on, like, oh, yeah, I know what I want to do now. And I'd basically pick one thing to really work on that week and then lead into the weekend. And by the end of the year, I was basically went in, talked to Greg, like, I literally don't feel nervous, don't feel anything. I'm super focused, excited. And basically, I said, I feel like I prepared mentally way better than all these other guys. And whether like a game turned out well or not was kind of irrelevant to me. I know um, I ended up seeing a couple guys from Fullerton and Yeski also told me is that the first game in Omaha, they had all my pitches. So I was tipping my pitches, whether I forget exactly, but I had my glove open on a fastball and closed on a slider or vice versa. So the third base coach was relaying that to their dugout. And so they basically knew every pitch I was throwing. And then the second game against LSU, when I threw, um, I thought I outpitched the other kid. Um, but we got kind of unlucky with Quan's hit. That was fair. And that would have changed the whole game. But I mean, I was happy only gave up, Three tougher runs, but um, yeah, by the end of the season, I felt like I was zoned in. I knew how to get zoned in. Uh, my breathing was where it needed to be. I was able to come up with like a breathing reset when I was on the mound. Um, just how he taught me to like over exaggerate my breath so I can basically feel really tight and then just completely feel loose and relaxed and everything. And I mean, it worked wonders. Um, and it basically like what I learned about the mental game throughout all this, like whether obviously I believe that Greg's stuff is perfect, perfect for me, the right way to go. But no matter what you do mentally, it's whether you believe it or not. Like, I mean, some guys have weird, rituals and everything like that um that was another thing i talked with greg is you know i feel superstitious a lot like i feel like i need to have this on game day this 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 and everything has to go right for me to throw well and then he really helped me distinguish between what's a routine and what's superstitious and that helped out a lot and i began i bought fully into everything and Never regret it. Still use it today. Um, I feel like sometimes it becomes a little bit of a disadvantage because I feel like I'm way more advanced mentally. But in reality, it's just you don't really advance much. You got 
you got your routine, your program, like stick with it. And that's one thing like I need to do after the TJ and everything, you got a lot of downtime and now I just need to take a step back and just go back to the basics, whether it's just telling me to be confident, telling me to just throw it over the plate or whatever. So that's why I always carry Greg's book around is whenever I need that reset, I got it. I remember when I was at his house the other day, he, he we went through the exaggerating breathing and he, he you know teaches you to oh, yeah. try to touch your shoulders to your ears, basically. Breathe yep, in real exactly. deep and, and put your shoulders way up high. And right as he was saying that, I immediately pictured Kevin Abel in game three and I could see, I could visualize him, the camera angles, and he's in between pitches, breathing and his shoulders come up high and he holds it for a second and then he exhales. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what Greg Warburton was talking about, right? Did yep. you see that too? Yep. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how many guys uh, work with them, um, but I know Abel is one of them. Um, but I mean, you could definitely see a difference when basically Greg gets a hold of them. Um, like I wish if I could go back a hundred times, I have a hundred. I would wish that I would have worked with Greg early. If I would have just said here, I want to work on this, like walk me through it. Even if it has to be like slow process throughout the whole time and just constantly tell myself, like eventually everything will come together. Like I take that any day. Um, but I ended up taking it my last year, which, I mean, things worked out really well for me. That is, really is awesome to see. How much would you say when you go through the breathing techniques, the, the tapping, whatever other methods you may use, do you notice that making an impact beyond baseball, that, that you're more calm even when you're not on the field or you have methods to handle stress and anxiety in other life areas too? Oh yeah, for sure. It just changes the way you think about things. Like it definitely gets you the calm, relaxed, like you need. And then you realize like, it's kind of hard not to use a baseball reference, but like sometimes you, people overthink baseball. Like literally you just need to sometimes throw the ball over the plate and every once in a while I'll slow it down or make it move a little bit. So just like something like that, like if you're going in a big speech or something, you just kind of like put it in perspective. Like I'm just talking i can just think of being confident just relaxed and everything like that i mean a lot of things that used to bother me like don't bother me now whether it be like something i did before shoot i should i have really said that and then like i kind of relax calm my mind and just think like you know everything's going to be just fine it's not going to change anything it's not going to change my path and then it's like i forget about it different things like that but it's helped me out. Whatever I do, I'm able to like sit back, control my focus, control my thinking of being like that narrow thought process of basically one job. And once you think about the other things, you're losing the fact of the one thing you need to do. So that's how it's helped me out a lot. And on the field, it's obviously made huge gains for me, for sure. That's really awesome to hear. Thanks so much for your time, Jake. And best of luck uh, pitching tomorrow. That's real exciting. So throw some fastballs yep. and get some guys out. <laughs> yep, for sure. Thank you. I really like Jake Thompson's calm demeanor and a lot of things he shared about his transformation. 
and ready to come back from Tommy John surgery. He did pitch the next day. I texted him afterwards to say, so how did it go in your first appearance? He said it went well, and he's ready to continue on the healing process and pitching more innings and going forward. So good news from Jake Thompson, and I wish him the best of luck going forward. Real quick before you go, I'd like to mention a charity in this podcast. Food for the Hungry is one of my favorite charities to mention. They do amazing work all around the globe. They help people in impoverished situations, not just by throwing money at the situation, but empowering them to a sustainable lifestyle. Learn more at fh.org. That's fh.org. I'll have Jake Thompson's coach coming up on the podcast. Pat Casey and I sit down for a pretty extended conversation that's coming up. Plus, we go back to the Oregon State football team before too long. So stay tuned to the Beaver Tales podcast. I've been your host, Josh Warden. Until next time, good night and go Beavs.